Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Wednesday, July 20th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Addison Colombo. And I'm Isabel Danzis. Now, here's What's What in New York. Mayor Eric Adams met with mayors of other cities today to talk about gun violence. The mayors say just five gun manufacturers were found to be responsible for the majority of confiscated guns. But that's not just a New York problem. Other states have also reported these same findings, which was the purpose of the summit. Mayor Adams took to Good Morning America with other officials to discuss the problem. The goal is to use a centralized database to show where guns are coming from, who are the manufacturers. We must learn from each other. United as mayors, uh, we can send a strong mes- message on the national level and the state level that we have to stop this senseless overproliferation of guns. That was Adams on Good Morning America via Mayor Jones of St. Louis on Twitter. Jones was also at the summit, along with the mayors of Little Rock and Buffalo. Good news for water lovers. New York City beaches are set to reopen today, and city pools will be extending their hours. Beaches in Rockaway shut down yesterday due to two shark sightings. This comes as New York has seen an increase in sharks this summer. At least five people have been bitten by sharks off Long Island in the last two weeks, and officials say there could be a few reasons for the uptick. Climate change, repopulation efforts, and cleaner waters could all be guilty for the sudden shark sightings. While shark sightings aren't great, cleaner waters and repopulation are good news to me. Does New York's current heat wave have anything to do with it? Experts say that could be a contributing factor, too, but the heat wave is definitely the reason for city pools extending their hours. Pools will now be open to 8 p.m. on Wednesday and Thursday. It is predicted that next week's temperatures will be over 90 degrees. So make sure to stay cool. I know I'll be taking advantage of those longer hours, though I might steer clear of the beach this week. Four community colleges across the state will be the first to have courses about cannabis. All participating community colleges are within the SUNY and CUNY system. The program will receive $5 million in funding. The classes are meant to educate students about the industry and hopefully create jobs in the business. This coincides with New York's announcement last week, which outlined rules to get certifications for retail cannabis shops. According to Forbes, since 2002, New York has arrested over 1 million people for cannabis-related crimes. The state says they want to make the industry more equitable through providing licenses to people with cannabis-related felonies. In music news, Justin Bieber will be returning to the stage later this month, after announcing he had to stop performing due to health issues on June 10th. That's right, Isabel. The 28-year-old musician had to cancel the rest of his North American tour due to Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. Ramsey-Hunt causes facial paralysis and can be caused by the chickenpox virus. Bieber says that the illness has made performing difficult, but that he's ready to return to the stage. I'm going to get better, and I'm doing all these facial exercises to get my face back to normal, and um, it will go back to normal. It's just time, and we don't know how much time that's going to be, but it's going to be okay. Justin Bieber returns July 31st to kick off the European leg of his tour. This year, the Asian Americans Writers Workshop is celebrating 30 years as a nonprofit dedicated to uplifting Asian and Asian American creatives. WFUV's Abby Delk spoke with Executive Director Jeffreen Udine about how the organization supports and brings together writers. Thank you so much for joining me, Jeffreen. Thank you, Abby, for having me. It's a pleasure. Can you just explain to me what the Asian American Writers Workshop is? 
The Asian American Writers Workshop is a national nonprofit dedicated to amplifying, incubating, and publishing uh, storytelling and artistry by Asian and Asian diasporic writers. We have a whole robust lineup of programming, including one of the most active reading series in the country. We host about 40 to 50 events annually um, featuring writers at every stage of their career. We host workshops for writers to come hone their craft. We have a community workshop series where we bring the power of the arts directly to high schools and senior centers throughout New York City. And last but definitely not least, we have our own award-winning digital magazine called The Margins, where we publish pretty much every genre of work online. Why do you feel it's so valuable to have spaces like that that are just for Asian American writers? Internally, if you think about like like having that inner circle of a community for our writers is so important where you feel like your work is understood and honored. And I should mention, you know, there's no one Asian American experience. So it's not that everybody here is like from the same place or no, there's dozens of communities, dozens of regions, dozens of languages. One of our board members often jokes that the only thing that all Asian countries actually have in common is that we take our shoes off before we enter the house. Um, Other than that, there's not really that much similar between. Um, But there is still something powerful about this kind of communal identity, this umbrella term, um, and being able to find find a home and and a safe space for your creativity. Our organization in particular, as a national one, as one that has important connections to the publishing industry, for example. Um, I consider it an important responsibility to support our writers in navigating the broader world. So it's not just about the community that we're building inside, but as an organization, what are we doing to support our writers as they try to find an agent or try to sell their book or, you know, the publishing industry by design is... Uh, it's obtuse. There are a lot of gatekeepers. Things are slowly changing, but it traditionally has been a very hard industry to break into without knowing the right people. So what are we doing as, as an organization to make it easier for, for writers of color who traditionally face way more hurdles than any writer? I mean, it's hard for any writer. It's three to five times harder for a writer of color. So it's about knowing the right people and you guys are the right people. We hope to be. That's always our goal. Yeah. That was WFUV's Abby Delk. Now let's head over to sports with WFUV's Sam Davis. I know last night was the All-Star game. Do you have anything on that for us? Yes, I do, Madison. The 92nd MLB All-Star Game was last night in Los Angeles. The American League won their ninth straight game with a final score of 3-2. to two. Yankees' Giancarlo Stanton won All-Star MVP with a big two-run homer for the American League. Stanton became the third Yankee, Mariana Rivera and Derek Jeter are the others, to win the award. Stanton's homer tied the game, which was followed up by Byron Buxton hitting a home run to give the American League a 3-2 lead, which would be all they needed to win. What made this year special or different? Isabel, what makes this game unique outside of the fact that the biggest MLB stars are there is that the game is more of an exhibition, so access to players is much different than a typical game. Players are interviewed while on the pitcher's mound, in the dugout, or while playing out in the field. It created some entertaining content for baseball fans to enjoy at this year's Midsummer Classic. 
off the field in baseball, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred responded to criticism of minor league wages, saying that they do in fact make a living wage. He's responding to the Senate Judiciary Committee, who sent a letter asking about MLB's treatment of their minor league players. Due to low wages, many players are forced to work other jobs in the offseason just to get by. Manfred says that MLB has made strides to improve wages for these players, including providing housing. However, many argue it is still not enough to provide for themselves and their families. So, Sam, I heard there's more news out on the green. More news in golf, as yet another player will be leaving for Live Golf. This time, it is Henrik Stenson. Stenson was set to be the captain of the European Ryder Cup team, but that will be no more after this decision to participate in the Saudi-backed league. The next event for Live Golf will be at the end of July, where most of the field is set except for three spots. One of those spots could be filled by Cameron Smith, Open champion, who has been in talks to join Live as well. On the broadcast side of things, Charles Barkley is expected to join Liv as one of their on-air personalities, giving up his commitments to the NBA on TNT. As usual, large sums of money will be involved in these moves. As Liv grows, one has to wonder what the PGA Tour will do to respond. For WFUV Sports, I'm Sam Davis. Thanks, Sam. Every Wednesday, we bring you Fordham Conversations. This summer, Shakespeare in the Park returned to Central Park. WFUV's David Escobar spoke with Fordham theater professor Mark Greenfield to find out why audiences still come to watch the 400-year-old plays. Why do you think Shakespearean plays are so widely adapted and reproduced? By necessity, there's kind of a limited amount of classics because even though there were thousands and thousands of plays probably written back then in a lot of different places, we only have written uh, versions of a, a limited amount. And those generally don't expand. And I think people have sort of deemed that the writing from that time period, Shakespeare is, is sort of the one that has landed as the favorite. I think part of it is he's a good writer. And I, I think a feedback loop gets established. Uh, they keep putting it forward. More people decide it's great. There's a, a lot of people who aren't necessarily interested in Shakespeare, and there's no reason they should be. It, it, it still remains a subjective thing. So it's not everybody's cup of tea, and I think very often academics are trying to convince people why they should like Shakespeare. And But I think ultimately the reason there are a lot of productions is they are very rich scripts. Since Shakespeare's plays are still super popular today, do you think there's anything that shows he was ahead of his time? So there was a, uh, uh, the same, he wrote one play called A Merchant of Venice, which is kind of notorious for the anti-Semitism. A, a play that had been written around the same time was called The Jew of Malta by, I think, Christopher Marlowe. And the one by Christopher Marlowe is just this very two-dimensional portrayal of a Jewish character who's just terrible and evil and there's nothing redeeming. So in the plot of The Merchant of Venice, Shakespeare's play, in the end, the Jew is punished and the audience is given what they want. But throughout the play, the character has all these moments of kind of humanity where you can almost imagine the Elizabethan audience going, wait a second, aren't we supposed to hate this person? He's kind of got this. So he gives all his characters a sense of humanity. So from an acting standpoint, and from a production standpoint, even though the plays are a product of a sort of ass-backwards time in terms of the morality and the politics, there's, from a perspective of character and just almost philosophy, there's something that goes beyond where there's this sort of implication that 
even our worst enemy has a humanity about them and has a reason for doing what they're doing. And there's something in it where Shakespeare really seems to kind of understand that people are complicated and there's more to people than meets the eye. That was Fordham Conversations host David Escobar talking to Mark Greenfield about the timelessness of Shakespeare's plays. Fordham Conversations taps into the Fordham University community to uncover and discuss issues that impact our world near and far. And that's our show for today. I'm Isabel Danzis. And I'm Addison Colombo. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.